0: there is a couple of things we asked. We asked, what are what are some areas that you're struggling in, and what are some areas that you need help in? And the overwhelming response to that survey was for those particular areas, is there is the areas that we're struggling, we need help in, are in two areas. They're in relationships, and they're in our finances. And this is what I know is that the number one cause of divorce in America for relationships is the issue of money and the fact that people don't know how to communicate about it, and they're struggling in it. And so, if that's one of the biggest issues in relationships, we thought that if we can help you fix some of the money problems that are going on in your life, that it would probably fix, <coughs> excuse me, some of the relationship dynamics that are happening and some of the struggles that are taking place in your life. Also, we'll, we'll do a relationship series later this year. But we know that relationships are a stre- or uh, finances are a stressful thing. Relationships are too. Uh, <laughs> if you're in one, you know that. Uh, but finances can be a very, very stressful thing. In fact, Money Magazine that said, said two-thirds of Americans are worried and stressed out about their financial future for them and their family. And so we know that this is a very, very pressing issue today. And a lot of us are stressed, and we're struggling, and we're worried. And we talked about last week this idea that worry is not something that God intends for us to do. He, has, he, he wants us to trust. But a lot of us are worried, and we define worry as something that the definition of worry is to torment with cares, to have high levels of anxiety, and th- there are people that are suffering from disturbing thoughts. And a lot of us, that's exactly how our finances make us feel. They give us a lot of anxiety. They give us some disturbing thoughts about what our future is going to look like, and they torment us all the time because we're wondering, Is there, are we going to have enough money this month? to make it. Are we going to have enough to pay all the bills? Are we going to have enough to get where we want to go? And so we really want to address this and learn about how do we manage the money that we've been given? How do we manage this responsibility? Because the reality is is that in America, we're in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world. It's not that we don't have enough money. It's the fact that we haven't learned how to manage our money very well. And my hope and my prayer is is that We would learn how to do that, and we would learn how to be great managers. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray, and then we're going to dive in, we're going to review a little bit, and then we're going to move forward uh, on what we built off from last week. So let's pray. God, we just come before you today, and this is what I know, is that anytime we start talking about money and people's stuff, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of guilt that's associated with it, because we know that. This is something that a lot of us struggle with. I know that I've struggled a lot in my life with it. And I also know the stress that it creates, God. And I know that you want to bring peace to people's lives. And more than that, that you want to bring hope to hopeless situations. And I know there's some people that are sitting there pretty hopeless right now. Struggling with this subject. And God, I pray that you would speak to us. That we wouldn't just have knowledge, but we would have a revelation of what your word says. And that it would transform us and give us a new outlook and a new perspective on finances. And so, God, we ask you to speak to us here today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to review for a little bit of last week because I think it's really important. um, Because the last week was kind of the foundational element for this entire series. And and here's the deal. A lot of us, we've done very, very well in life only to see everything kind of continually crumble. On us, and there's a reason for that. We can build beautiful things, we can build this beautiful life, but if we do not have the correct foundation, no matter how big we build, it's always going to crumble because the foundation isn't right. And last week, we talked about this idea that we have got to put God first in our life. The foundational element to managing finance, as well, is putting God first in our life, it's trusting Him in every single aspect of our lives. In fact, I would encourage you, if you missed last week, to go back and listen to the podcast or watch online on our website at coastalcommunity.tv because it's very, very important for us to have the knowledge behind what we talked about because there's some revelation that comes from it. We use this verse out of Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, and it says this, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow in your wine vats with the finest wines. And we talked about this concept of the first part or putting God first in our lives. And what it means is that when we put him in the right place, it enables God to act on our behalf when it comes to our finances, when it comes to these areas of struggles in our life. And when we put him in his rightful place, all of a sudden it gives him permission to move in our lives because we're trusting him in that part of our life. And the thing is, is we all know that we should trust God, in fact, if you were to take out a dollar bill or a $20 bill or a penny, uh, our money even knows that we should trust God because on our money is written, in God we, oh, you guys have read that before. Like our money knows and, and knows that our trust shouldn't be in this paper. It shouldn't be in the government. It shouldn't be in jobs. The place we should put our trust is in God, and that's a great concept for us to say, in God we trust, but it's a lot harder for us to actually live out and honor Him by putting Him first in our life. But there's a principle behind there that says, man, when we put God first in our lives, it's what draws every single aspect of our life. Everything we lean into is where we put our foremost attention. And so God is trying to establish, like, listen, I want... Your money, because where you put your money is where your heart is. And we talked about the fact that this really isn't a money issue. It's a heart issue. In fact, Jesus said, your heart will be where your treasure is. Our heart is where we put our money. And God's saying, man, I want your heart. The foundational thing that I want for your life is I want your heart. And your money is an indicator of where your heart is. And I hear people say all the time, well, God knows my heart, and it kind of gives us this leeway to live whatever kind of life we want externally because our excuse is, "as well, God knows my heart. God knows where my heart is. Now, let me just tell you, God does know where your heart is, and the way you spend your money is an indicator of where your heart is, and it reveals where your heart is. And so when it comes to making change in our life, when it comes to this foundational element of making change, the most important change we can make is we can say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to put you first and foremost in my life, and I'm going to allow you to rule and reign in my life. And then on the flip side of that, there's a responsibility on my part to manage everything you've given me well. Last week, we said it's a 2 wing It's It's this bird of, like, man, we're going to trust God with everything. And then on the same point, we're going to be obedient and willing to do whatever he says. And in order for us to soar in every aspect of life, we have to have both parts. We can't just trust God and not be willing and obedient. We've got to be willing and obedient and trust him. And that's what gives us wings to do what he says for us to do. And when it comes to our personal finances, I would say this. It's a lot more personal than it is about finances. It's all about the personal aspect, not really the financial aspect and then it's about us taking personal responsibility in our lives. It's like this. If, if I said to you, man, I, you know what? I'm going to get healthy. And I went to the gym every single day for 30 minutes. And I worked out hard every single day for 30 minutes. Um, but every single day I went to BurgerFi and got a double bacon cheeseburger and ate it. Come on. That's manna from heaven right there. But if I did that, like I probably would not see the results that I want to see in my health life, would I? Why? Because I'm not managing the responsibility very well. I've 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 changed uh, one habit, but I haven't gotten rid of some bad habits yet, and those bad habits are keeping me from the life that I want to live. And a lot of us, a lot of us are going and we're saying, God, man, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to put you first, but we've got to change some of the habits that are in our life. We've got to change some of the other things. It's not just about putting God first, but what are the habits that follow with it? So, we can get ourselves out of the trouble that we're in because it's a lot more personal than it is financial. And so, if we want God to get involved in our life, we gotta understand what He requires of our life. And this is what He says in Proverbs 21:5. He says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to pro- poverty. What I want you to do is, I want you to circle the word good planning. Good planning. Because we've talked about putting God first, that's a foundational element, but the the next part about managing the responsibility that he's given us is all about us being a good planner. It's about us taking responsibility of what has already been given to us and what do we do with those things. And the rest of this message, honestly, is probably going to sound like a financial seminar, but these are all biblical principles that come straight out of the Bible. In fact, the Bible talks more about money and stuff than it does virtually about any other subject. Because Jesus and God knew that this would be such an important topic of our lives and it would be the greatest struggle of our lives. And so if we're going to manage our responsibility well, here's what we have got to do. We have got to get a vision for our, for our finances. We've got to get a vision for our finances. And I know some of y'all might be like, well, duh, like that's a pretty obvious thing that we need to get a vision for our financial future. But Zig Ziglar uh, says this, he says, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every single time. It's true. If you aim at nothing, you know what? You are always right on target. And so many of us, it's like we don't have a vision for our future when it comes to our finances. And so we're allowing society to give us a vision for our finances. We're allowing uh, commercials to give us a vision for our finances. We're allowing our neighbors and keeping up with the Joneses give us a vision for our future, when it comes to our finances. And they all will tell us how we should live and how we should spend our money. But the word of God says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Another another version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But I love the word unrestrained. Because it's a great depiction of us right now when we don't have any boundaries, when we don't have any vision of where we're going, we end up doing some crazy things. We end up doing things that we would never do before. And people without a vision for their finances end up spending money that they don't have. People without a vision for their finances and their future end up putting a whole bunch of money on credit cards. People without a vision for their finances and their future live paycheck to paycheck why because they don't have any restraints in their life and i know this to be true because shayla and i man we were we were that person we are living unrestrained we first got married within nine months of being married this is impressive we racked up twenty five thousand dollars of unsecured credit card debt that's it takes talent to do that let me just tell you something like it takes talent to spend that much money that quickly Because this is what we learned when you go to college. The first thing they do is they hand you like your curriculum and what tests you're and what classes you're taking and credit card applications. And we filled them all out. We're like, you'll give us a thousand, you'll give a three. It was like an auction. And we were just spending it as fast as we could get it. And let me just tell you something. Unrestrained living will cause some restraints to come on your life really fast. Somebody's experienced that too. And we said, man, we're not going to live like this anymore. And we started making some drastic changes to our lifestyle. We started selling that stuff that we had bought at pennies on the dollar, trying to get out of the hole we dug ourselves into. And we started doing all these things and saying, man, we don't want to live within the confines of debt anymore. We want to be debt-free and, and so we can live a life that we want to live in. Part of our vision as a, as a couple is we try to be the most generous people we, we can possibly be. When we see needs, we want to be the first people to be able to meet those needs. Just personally, that's, that's just part of our personal vision is, is this is something we want to do. We want to give away exorbitant amounts of our income. And so that means we're going to live on less than what we need so we can do more for others because we have a vision. In fact, I put this little tagline in your notes, and it's this, no means no. And I'm not talking about like sex or anything here. I'm, I'm talking about like K-N-O-W. No, know, knowing the vision that you have for your life will allow you and help you say no to things that you should be saying no to. Because when you don't have a vision for your life, what you end up doing is you end up saying yes to the wrong things and no to the right things. And so what we need to do is we need to know who we are and where we're going. And when we do that, we'll be able to say yes to the things that are hate taking us in that direction and no to the things that are veering us off the path of where we're supposed to go. And so I want to kind of help you get a vision for your finances. And so let me ask you this, how many of you guys have a vision for your finances to just absolutely wreck your life with them? Like, you just want to go out and you want to rack up credit card debt. You want to have so much unsecured debt that the creditors are just lined up knocking on your door. Every phone call is from somebody saying, hey, I want money. You got ulcers because there's so much stress in your life. You're just swigging pepto Bismol to keep alive. How many of y'all are looking for that? Not a lot of people are looking for that vision. I don't know why. I did, nobody in the first service liked it either. Okay, how about this? How many of you guys have a vision to be financially stable, to be these people where, where the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but the love of Christ, to be a person where where God says, hey, I want you to go here. You have the ability to go there. If God says, hey, I want you to give here, you have the ability to give here. If he says, pick up and move over there, you have the ability to pick up and move. How many of y'all have a vision for a financial future like that? Like the majority of us, we're like, man, that's that's the vision that I want for my life. That's the vision that I want for my finances. And the problem for most of us is not that we don't have a vision for our finances. The problem for most of us is that we don't have a plan to get from where we are to where we need to be. We have these great dreams of what could be, but we don't have any idea of how to actually get there. And since you don't really have direction, you're saying yes to the wrong things and no to the right things. In fact, if Shayla and I just just came back from being out of town and If we were on our way to the airport like we were on Monday, and uh, Susie, who's our youth director, was driving us, and we said, hey, we need to be at Miami International, Uh, we have a flight leaving, and we jump in the car, and we're driving down 95, and about an hour into the trip, we look up, and we see signs for West Palm Beach, we'd be like, Susie, you're an idiot, why are you going north when you need to go south? Like, you're going the wrong direction. Like, that's what we'd all be like, man, you just, you just wasted a whole bunch of time. You went the wrong way. Let me say this in the nicest way. A lot of us are heading in the wrong direction, and all the signs are telling us, stop. But we just keep on driving. Because we don't have a vision for where we're going. So today, we need to understand, what is that vision that we need to have for our financial future and and what do we need to do if we're going to move forward? And and I love what Jesus says, and, and this is a little out of context, so and, and I'll explain it, um, so I'm just saying it beforehand. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Jesus right here is, is speaking about eternal life, and he's talking about some people find salvation, and a lot of people don't. But I could change it, and I could say, For broad is the road that leads to unrestrained spending and debt. Broad is the road. We saw a video of a a woman who lived without restraint and just bought and bought and bought and stressed and stressed. And, man, it was leading to destruction in her life. And then narrow is the road for the person who actually takes the time to get a vision for their life and their finances. and says, man, I'm going to follow that path in my life. And if we're going to get a vision for our financial future, it starts with a couple things. For some of us, number one, it starts with developing a spending plan. It, d- it starts with us developing a spending plan. I know that that seems like something that is completely over-obvious. But most people don't plan beyond what's happening right now. And that's the biggest problem. I, I think about it in the context uh, of women and weddings. Sorry. Um, you know... Sorry, I, you know Women will plan six months. They'll plan a year. Heck, most of them have been dreaming about their wedding day their entire life. Come on now. You know it's true. Uh, like, they've been planning for that forever. And so, man, they'll plan and they'll plan and they'll plan. Guys, they're not worrying about the wedding time, the wedding day. They're just like, show, tell me what time to get there. All they care about is the honeymoon. Can I get an amen? That's, that's like, that's what guys are planning for, honeymoon. That's another sermon, though. So, uh, but... They'll plan for this day. And they'll work months and months and months for this one day. But they'll never plan for their marriage. And a lot of people, they'll go out and they'll plan to build their dream home and remodel everything and make it this spectacular place. And and what color schemes and what furniture is going to go in every room. But they never plan for the family that's going to live there. And what we do a lot of times is we plan for the moment and we think about the short-range goals rather than having a vision for our long-term future. And this is so true, not just in those areas of life, but when it comes specifically to our finances. And if we're going to develop a spending plan, that one of the key things that you and I, we have got to have is we have got to get a budget. It's the B word, budget. We've Got to have a budget. And I, I know that that seems so obvious, but you know that... of Americans don't have a working operating budget that they live off of. They don't have a clue where their money is going. And if we're going to have a vision for our financial future, we've got to have a plan for that. And that plan is called a budget. We've got to know what's coming in and what's going out. And most importantly, what's left over at the end. And the reason we're struggling so much and we're stressed out and we're freaking out over money is because we have an idea of what comes in, but we have no idea what goes out and how much is left. And it causes a lot of pressure in our life. In fact, Proverbs says, riches can disappear fast. If you get a paycheck, you learn that really fast. It disappears. It's like, where did all that money go? I just had it. It's crazy. So watch your business interests closely. Bottom line is you got to have a budget and you got to have a plan. I remember when Shayla and I were first in all this massive amount of debt, we we started making a budget and we started realizing, man, we've got to make some changes. And and so one of those changes was we had to get rid of credit cards. I remember when we went to a cash system where she would give me cash for gas, cash for food. It was terrible. Like you never want to let go of that dollar bill. Like you know what I'm saying? Like when cash is in your hand, it becomes so much more valuable. It taught us a lot about money. And as we got a little bit more comfortable with that, we started, we started moving to things like Mint.com, which would analyze where we are spending money and how we are spending our money, to today where we don't even own a credit card and we live completely out of our checking account. We know exactly how much is in and how much is out. We know that in the beginning of the month, 90% of our expenses go out in the first 10 days. And so what's left over is for the rest of the month because we get paid once a month. And so you know what that's called? That's called having a budget. And what some of us need today is we've got to start living and we've got to start budgeting and knowing what's coming in and what's going out. And so we've got to get a vision and we've got to get a spending plan with a budget. And then what we need to do is we need to develop a savings plan. We need to develop a savings plan. And we're so short-sighted when it comes to the most important things in life. We'll sacrifice the future for what we want right now in the moment. We'll go out and spend on a credit card and go, look at me, I got this. And never think about the payments that are going to occur after you spent that. We sacrifice the future for right now. Proverbs tells us, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Now, here's, here's a crazy thing, and, and Dave Ramsey, who's an expert on this, he talks about this all the time. He says, the average American family does not have a $1,000 of emergency fund in the bank. They don't have $1,000 cash in the bank. and So what that means is that you are one emergency away from chaos and turmoil in your life. If the car breaks, if uh, your health and you have to go to the hospital, something happens, or your kids get sick. And, and how many of you all know, this is, this is just a principle of life. When you're broke, everything breaks. Anybody else learned that? Like, when you're broke, it's like, what else can go wrong? Everything. But when you have money in the bank, it seems like nothing ever breaks. There's a principle that's there. It's called having some savings. It's called Wisdom. And what happens for a lot of people is, is a pipe does break in your plumbing or, or this summer your air goes out. And because you don't have a $1,000 savings, you know what you do? You rack it up on credit cards. And because you don't have a plan to get out of that, you know what happens when the next emergency happens? Because it's going to happen. You rack it up on another credit card. And the cycle just continues on and on. And so, church, we've got to just start somewhere. And I want to encourage you just to start somewhere. Most of you guys have a checking account. Here's what you do tomorrow morning. Go to your bank. Go in there and say, I want to open up a savings account. It's really simple. Savings account. You can write it down. I need a savings account. And what you do is put $10, $20, $100 a month. Just auto-draft it when you get paid. You know when you get paid. Just go ahead and auto-draft it right into your savings account and forget about it. Everybody say, forget about it. You just forget about it. And you let that thing accrue, and next time something crazy happens, an aunt in Ohio dies, and you have to go to the funeral, you don't go pay for it with a credit card. You go and you pay for it with your emergency fund that you've been saving up for. See, Robert Kiyosaki, who, who wrote a great book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, it's a great financial and investment book. This is what he says. He says, the poor pay themselves last, and that is why they're poor. But the rich pay themselves first, and that's why they're rich. See, there's a principle when you put money, you trust God first, and then you put money into savings. It's called paying yourself first. Smart people pay themselves first before they pay all the other stuff. And some of us, we need to start being wise to ourselves and start paying ourselves first rather than waiting until everything's gone and then going, I hope I have something left. And start making a plan for when the emergencies come in life. I know some of you guys, you're struggling big time right now with debt and questions arise. And you go, man, should I take care of all of my debt first before I start trusting God and and paying myself first? And I would tell you this, like if you want God involved in your finances, which I personally do, then I would say start trusting him first and then start paying yourself first. Because this is what I know. God can do more with the 90% than you've been able to do with your 100%. I don't know how it works or why it works, but it just does. In fact, he tells us in Malachi 3.10, which we looked at last week, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He says, test me. He says, man, go ahead and try me in this. Give it a shot. See what happens. And he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And see, we've got to put God first. We've got to trust him. We've got to develop a savings plan. We've got to develop a spending plan. And then we've got to develop a plan for debt elimination. We've got to develop a plan for debt elimination. And honestly, it all boils down to this right here. Because what happens is we don't have savings, so we put stuff on credit. And because we don't have a budget, we put stuff on credit. And because we don't have all of that, we end up having no financial future because we're just racked up with debt and it ends up crippling us when it comes to the area of finances and listen it doesn't just start with us it starts from the top down it starts with our federal government and trickles down to any town USA in fact this week I found a, a stat that blew my mind I've been saying for the probably the past two years that the average American spends 103 percent of their income the crazy thing is is the stat that I found this week says the this is what it says it says The average American spends $1.33 for every dollar that they earn. So every George Washington you put in your pocket from work, you spend 33% more than what you brought in. I'm saying the average. I'm not saying every single one of you, but I'm saying the average American you go. How does that happen? How does that happen? You know, some people are like, I don't have a clue. I'll tell you how it happens. It's pretty simple. Say so you're an average American and you're you have a salary of forty thousand dollars a year, which is probably somewhat near the median income for an individual in in South Florida, um, and this year you end up spending forty four thousand dollars, and so you went in debt four thousand dollars. And you just say to yourself, this is what most people do. They say, you know what, I'm going to get a raise, and I'll make that up. I'll work a little bit of overtime, and I'll take care of that debt. And so you say, you know what, that $4,000 overage, it isn't that big of a deal. And so because you don't have a vision for your financial future, what happens is is you continue to live that same way. And let's just say you do that for five years. You overspend by $4,000 a year. At the end of of five years, you have $20,000 in unsecured debt. Say you at that point you were to say, you know what, I'm going to get a vision. I'm not going to go any more debt. I'm not going to spend more than I make. And you were to just make minimum payments on that $20,000 of unsecured debt. Do you know that it would take you 30 years to pay that off? 30 years. 30 years. That is a terrible vision for life. And I believe that the Spirit of God is trying to say, you're going the wrong way today. Stop. Stop. Turn around. Can't continue in the same direction. In fact, Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You may not think that you're a slave to the lender, but If you're continually in financial debt and you can't make decisions without thinking about the payments that you already have, you want to know what? You're a slave to the lender. If you want to give and you say, man, I really want to give to that, but I've got all these obligations and commitments over here, you're most likely a slave to the lender. And it happens so subtly and so quickly that we don't even realize it creeping up honest I hear people say all the time in fact I heard somebody say not too long ago I have this amazing opportunity for a promotion uh, but I'm gonna have to move away and and what this is gonna do is it's gonna give me a little bit of breathing room financially and I thought to myself the only reason you need breathing room is because you're a slave to the debt that you've acquired And it happens so quickly, and it, and it goes so unrecognized. In fact, a couple of years ago, uh, I was in Africa, and I was um, at um, not the Falls, Victoria Falls in Africa, and they happen to have a bridge where you can do some bungee jumping. And I thought, I'm by myself, my wife's not with me, this is a great time for me to do something crazy. You know, that's, those are always good times to make crazy decisions. And so I thought, you know, this bridge is really, really high, There's, because it's so high, it was actually the highest, uh, bungee jump in the world for a long time. It's it's really high up and there's clouds all around because of all the mist and all the fog and, and I said to myself, man, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I want to do it. I want to know what being a human yo-yo feels like. You know, I just want to up and down, up and down. It would be great. And I I remember getting to the edge and getting ready to to jump off this this bridge. Perfectly good bridge. I don't know why people do this. And And I remember jumping off and thinking, man, I'm just going to, it's going to feel like I hit the ground like that fast. Like it's going to be that fast. I'm just going to be there. I remember jumping off the bridge and it being like the longest time in the world. Um, You know, if you're ever thinking about committing suicide, don't do it because there's a lot of time to think. I'm just going to tell you from experience. So I jump off this bridge and I'm like taking in the scenery. I'm like, this is beautiful. Look at all these clouds, you know, And, and I'm seeing little things periodically here and there. But what I fail to realize is that I'm traveling about 120 miles an hour. That's what they estimated my speed, partly because I'm fat. You know, it, velocity kind of accelerates there. And without that bungee, it would have been pretty brutal. And I would say this, there's a lot of us, we're jumping off the bridge of debt. We're acquiring more and more, and we're thinking, oh, the ground's not that far away. I've got time. Because we're living unrestrained lives, there is no snap back up. We're about to hit a brutal landing. And it's going to be detrimental to us, and it's going to be detrimental to our family. For some of us, what it means is that today is going to be a day that we're going to need to choose to make some plastic surgery decisions. And I'm not talking about nip, tuck, get a facelift. I'm talking about maybe getting rid of some credit cards, getting rid of some, some debt in our lives and saying, you know what? I'm not going to live unrestrained any longer, but I'm going to put some restraints on. And I'm going to make some drastic changes. I'm going to get rid of the silent killer that is destroying my home and my family and my life. And I know for Shayla and I, this is a big deal because we didn't just go into debt once, 25 grand. We did it twice. We don't learn very well. And it's difficult and it's hard. And I remember the second time we did and I was going, God, we need to get out of this. And we started cutting things. We started getting rid of stuff and we started making some drastic changes in life. Now, thank God that he was there to help us out. and We trusted him in that. But for some of us, we got to make some drastic changes. You know that the average American, their cable bill is $100 a month. And for most of us, we have 140 channels. And what we say every day is, there's nothing on. $100 a month, if you were to just cut that out. Or you were to cut out the the, the $5 trips to Starbucks like the lady in the, the screen. And you were to just take that money, say that extra $100 savings, And you were to apply that to your greatest interest debt month after month and pay that thing down. And when you paid it off, take that payment that you're making and apply it to your next greatest payment. It's called the debt snowball. You would start to get yourself from being slave to the lender. You would start to have some restraint in life. And what you would find that you would do is you would start to develop some good habits because that's what really what we all need We've, we've gotten into some bad habits and what God is trying to do is get us into some good habits of giving and saving before we ever start spending in fact Jesus said to a guy that had been wise he had developed some good habits he said well done my good and faithful servant you've been faithful in handling this small amount So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's have a party. He said, man, you've done well managing the responsibility that I've given you. I've given you a dollar, and you've managed that responsibility well. And so now I'm going to give you two. And as you manage two well, I'm going to give you four. And as you manage four well, I'm going to give you eight. And see, the problem is, is that a lot of us are just like, God, I just need more. And God's saying, like, you're not being responsible with what you have. He said, be faithful with what you have, and you'll be fruitful with what you have. Because as my wife likes to say, faithfulness always leads to fruitfulness. You be faithful with what God's given you. You become a great manager of the responsibility that you've been entrusted with already, and you put him first, and you start saving, and you develop a spending plan, and you do all of those things, and you start eliminating debt. And watch God start to move and work on your behalf. Because this is what I know. Proverbs tells us the plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance. Church, it's time for some of us to start being diligent in this area of our life and saying, you know what? I'm not going to live unrestrained anymore. I'm not going to live without a vision any longer. I'm going to get a vision for my financial future. I'm going to start putting my trust in God and I'm going to start doing things the right way instead of living without any cares or whims, which is restraining a lot of my life. And I believe that God's going to show up in a powerful way. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today and I thank you that you are here and that you are in this place. And God, I know that when we start talking about our finances and our stuff, a lot of times it's difficult because we're struggling with this. But God, I pray that your truth would move forward inside of us today and that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of us, God, and that we would be diligent to do the things that are necessary, to do the things that are right, God, to put you first to develop a vision for our life, to, to get some plans for savings, to get some plans for for spending, to get plans for eliminating the things that we've acquired that aren't necessary any longer, God. And that through that, we would develop the habits that you want us to have. And God, we would be the good and faithful servant. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.